0: So you want to be a dungeon master?
1: That's great. We're here to help. My name's Taylor. And
0: I'm Justin. This week, we're going to be talking about the basics of making a character. But first, what's the rule on that? What's the rule on what? Well, I thought (laughs) this would be a great time to introduce a fun little (laughs) segment into our episodes. (laughs) Kind of kickstart things, kind of warm us up a little bit. The idea is that this segment, hopefully people will email in with our amazing emails. So you want to be a DM at gmail.com, but you can email in questions about specific rules or scenarios that went down in your game. And you're like, did the DM do that right? Or did the player do that right? And we can help you out, keeping in mind that we don't know everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, what are we, uh, What What is? what is, what's the rule we're going to be talking about?
0: I thought it would be interesting and pretty appropriate for this particular episode of creating characters and the basics of player characters and character creation. Let's talk about how a character gets their ability scores from the jump. Okay. Um, I know you know that there's a bunch of different ways to do it. For sure. We can go over the basic different ways and then maybe you and I can talk about our favorites or the, our go-to's. Because yeah, I know I certainly yeah, yeah, have yeah. a very specific go-to method that I will just always use.
1: Yeah, because it's just, it's, I, I do know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, the, the ability scores are probably the most important. Well, maybe not the most important. I think they are because I'm a dirty, dirty min-maxer. But <laughs> your ability scores are going to generally determine what you're going to be able to do as a character. Um, so there's a bunch of different ways to figure out what your stat bonuses are going to be. Um, and the most common of them is going to be to just roll for them. Usually using the D sixes. Um, I don't know, Justin, what's, what's, uh, how do you normally do it?
0: So my normal method for rolling for stats is I have everybody roll four D six. So four six six-sided dice, roll that, get rid of the lowest one. And then repeat that process six times, giving you six different numbers. If for some reason you hate those numbers, don't worry. I'm gonna let you do the entire process one more time. See what those second set of numbers look like. And then you can choose between the two sets of numbers whichever one's better for your character build. And then usually we can get into like the idea of like if you roll a one, you can re roll it. But that's sort yeah. of
1: game by and that's game basis. Pretty much Standard. That's pretty much how the rulebook has you do it, right? For the most part. Pretty much. Okay.
0: Yeah, you can get a little stricter with it, and you can roll just three d six. So there's no getting rid of the lowest die. That's a little harsher. Yeah. There's also a standard Bies. array, and then there's point by.
1: Oof. Let's. Uh, let I me. Know, uh, let me run one more rolling, rolling scenario yeah, here bring on. that uh, that I generally like to do, um, with my characters i will do the um the 46 remove the lowest one but i will allow the players to re-roll ones again and then they have to accept the second whatever it is if you roll another one that's it you're stuck with the one but then and then you remove the lowest after you re-roll Got the ones. It. so it kind of I don't like I I mean, I kind of like having my character's ability scores kind of up there because it makes it almost easier to plan for things because I know that everybody's at a certain level. I know what character is going to have this stat at high, like what skill checks and stuff are going to be good for them versus bad for them type of deal. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually I'll I'll let my characters be a little OP just because they have more fun that way.
0: I agree. I totally agree because it's like so. You mentioned earlier that you're a dirty man Maxer. not <laughs> more. But now, while I am not normally, there's one particular game that I played in a viewers where that was not the case. But um, <laughs> that wasn't my fault. It was a PvP. Everyone made no, melee know. fighters. It's not my fault I know, <laughs> that I, know. I made the one sniper in the freaking group. Anyway, Shadow Cat lives <laughs> on. But anyway, I love to. Base my whole character on backstory and role play and vibes. But at the end of the day, if your character sucks at what they're supposed to be good at, not fun. Yeah. You need to know which numbers should be higher in order to achieve the vibe you're going for. Right. Like, are you the big bulky guy who's breaking down doors and eating people up? Maybe strength. Are you trying to be a little yeah. sneaky sneak and pick pockets and be uh, stealthy? Maybe dexterity, super smart, intelligence, very perceptive and maybe uh, good at understanding when people are lying, wisdom and, you know, constitution. And then there's also charisma for the face of the group, whatever, yeah. right?
1: We'll get into you that later. You want to be later. good at the things. You're good In at actual. Yeah. You want to be able to do those things. You brought up a couple of things earlier. What's the what's the standard array versus point by thing? Because that doesn't involve any rolling at all, right?
0: No, it does not. So standard array is nice and simple. It's just there are six like established numbers, and you get to choose and assign which abilities they go to. So it's 15, 14, 13, 12. 10 and 8, and you just pick. If I want my character to be really strong, I put 15 under the strength one. Uh, Maybe I don't care about constitution that much. I'll put a 10 or an 8 there. If I don't plan on ever lying or trying to be persuasive, I could dump that stat, and vice versa. You know, you go crazy with it. So it's really just like a very specific set of numbers that you start with. Point buy is a little more complicated. Uh, It's really like you start with some sort of starting number mm-hmm. so let's say you're starting with like 27 and this it, there's all different kinds of calculators for this online it's a little complicated i did it once in my pathfinder uh, i'm playing in a pathfinder game and the dm wanted us to use point by and it's yeah. really like you have a pool of points if you will mm-hmm. all of your abilities start at like an eight and then you get to add those points to your attributes or your abilities And so you could add, you could have eights across the board in every ability score, put all of your points into like charisma and be the best liar and persuader and performer in the land. But everything else is going to suck for you.
1: And with the point by system, (laughs) you generally have a cap at 20. Most right. Most things, they're not yeah, going to let right. you go past 20 on any one skill because once you hit that point, you're god level.
0: Yeah, um, especially in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. It's, there's ways to get above 20 later on, but that's some advanced play that we'll cover in another episode. Right.
1: Um. Yeah, and then what's the what's this new thing from Tasha? Because I there was also something about. Or is that for picking your race? That's for race selection, isn't the, it?
0: Yeah, that has okay. to do with. Um, Tasha introduced a really interesting way of. Well, I guess we should go over the old way first. So, like, we're going to get into the main things that you need to know about creating a character. Because yeah. as much as this episode seems like it might be only good for players to know, I think we'll get into why it's important for dungeon masters to know this information as well. Yeah. But suffice it to say, There are racial ability score increases. So it's like if you're an elf, you might be extra good at dexterity and maybe one other skill. And it just automatically adds those to your abilities. That's the old school way rules is written player's handbook way of doing things. Tasha's, on the other hand, introduced the idea that you shouldn't necessarily be hamstrung by your racial pick In terms of which class. Will be the most optimum for you. For dirty. For example. Like me. Exactly. (laughs) It gives you more options. So that if you want to play. A. Bard. You don't necessarily have to pick the race. Or I said this in the last episode. I like to call them species. You don't have to pick the species. That is specifically good at charisma. You can pick any. Species. If you want to be a dwarf bard. A gnome bard halfling, human, tiefling, dragonborn, a rip. And then you get to add two to one ability score, strength, dexterity, constitution, so on and so forth. And then you add plus one to a different one. And that's sort of this optional rule that's been added that I think most people are a big fan of.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I do like the versatility of it. It does kind of eliminate the need to do a certain race for... Ability point's sake It leaves you to be able to Mm -hmm. use that For the other things that these races Are good at um, Which we'll get into later
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways Most of them are mentioned in The player's handbook If you wanted extra information on that You can also just give it a goog (laughs) There's going to be a (laughs) ton of resources out there
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just bing it There's going to be a ton (laughs) of stuff out there Yeah, just just go out there, Bing it, and you're gonna get all the best results. Yeah, sponsored um, by
0: Bing. <laughs>
1: sponsored by Bing. Did I mention? Did I not mention that up top? I should have said something. Uh, <laughs> we'll get them on episode three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Whoops. Um, let's uh, let's talk about actually making a character and why, as a dungeon master, you should know how to do this.
0: Definitely. I think it's huge. I think it's so important for the dungeon master to understand this because I just think when it comes to writing your story or your campaign or one shot, whatever it may be, I think it's important to know what your players, mechanically speaking, are capable of. Yes. Right? Like, if you sure. know that there's a there's no one in the group who's very stealthy, maybe don't make stealth stealth integral part of your thing yeah 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 (laughs) you know or or things along that those lines it's also helpful to know what the classes are able to do what's gonna be coming down the down the road yeah what players are going to be able to level up into because if you know a player's about to gain the ability of flight and they're trying to spend all their money on some magic carpet it's like listen brother you don't gotta do that wait one more level
1: (laughs) flight (laughs) Is Is that a hint? Is that a hint? Am I getting flight at the next level? That would be awesome. It might be part of level 12. Oh, man. We'll see.
0: It's (laughs) going to be challenging,
1: hard work. Yeah, but um, another another reason why you're going to want to know this stuff is because your players are going to ask, especially if you're all starting from scratch with no experience. You're going to, as the dungeon master, probably going to need to be the person who knows all the stuff. So we can kind of lay it out for you as far as what creating a character is because that's really... Creating a character and building an encounter—that's really all you need to do. You need to know how to do as a dungeon master, yeah. Because everything else kind of stems from those two knowledge bases.
0: 100. percent Because if you can build a character, then you can most likely understand the stat block of a monster. You know what I mean? Right. Because like when you see the stat block of a monster, and it's like, all right, strength is uh, you know, is a twenty, which is a plus five, and their athletic score is a plus seven and their saving throws for this or is this and yada 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 if you don't know how to make a character a lot of that is going to seem like gibberish right
1: and you know as you get more comfortable with it you can also do things like make up monsters on the fly um as far as being able to just know like okay well this is just like a bear it's not going to have a very high armor class it's just it's a bear you know there's no armor there's nothing it's it's, it's a bear <laughs> exactly versus you know coming up on a night that they're going to have some kind of armor on or something like that that's going to raise the difficulty for your players trying to hit something
0: yeah exactly or even just like what skills that NPC might be good at Right. what saving throws they might be good at. If it's somebody you maybe didn't anticipate needing stats in front of you, which will happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, all the there time. will be
0: times where you're like, surely they're not going to fight the tavern keeper. And then surely. they do. Or maybe they don't fight the tavern keeper, but maybe they try and pickpocket the tavern keeper. And you're like, I don't know what their freaking passive perception is. Right. And you got to kind of just come up with that stuff.
1: <laughs> but yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and go over what it's going to take. Like what, what, to, how to make a character? What do you, where yeah. do you even start? I know I, I have think... my personal preference. Well, but... let's
0: start with that. Let's start okay. with personal preferences. Just like if you were making a character, what would so, you, you start yeah.
1: with? So generally what I do when I'm building a character is I figure out what type of character I want to play. That means picking the class first. Um, mm. Do I want to be A magic caster, a non-magic caster? Do I want to fight up close? Do I want to fight from a range? Do I want to be able to do both? Do I not care about combat at all? Do I want to just have a bunch of utility spells? Like, what what do... I want to do and then I kind of go from there as far as picking my uh, now it's not so crucial anymore because of the new Tasha's thing but like that's how I would pick my race. Most of the time is I go okay, well what are my main stats for this class that I'm trying to do? And then okay, well now I'm going to pick a race that has bonuses in one of one or two of those skills or uh, ability scores.
0: Yeah, I mean for me Oof, it's interesting because as like a almost forever DM, sometimes it is also based on class first, just because it's like, well, I've never played a Druid before. So I just want to get it in if I can. <laughs> I've never, you know, I've, I've never been a monk. Let me just bang that out. <laughs> But normally, if, I, if I'm in a campaign or at least a series of games that I know will span multiple sessions that I'll have the opportunity and faith in the DM to maintain,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm going, like, backstory first. Like, it's okay. really just, like, what kind of... It's kind of like what you were saying, but it's not class-specific. Um, it's, like, what kind of character do I want to play? Okay. So, like, okay, I want to play a character who... Kind of has vibes of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but also maybe some vibes of Dr. Frankenstein. And then that's how I landed in a Pathfinder game. So totally different system. That's how I landed on Alchemist. And then I just picked Human because Pathfinder was confusing. And I was like, I don't need an extra race to confuse things. When in
1: doubt, choose Human. It's generally the most versatile of all the classes. Or races. Yeah,
0: and it's definitely going to be, like, the simplest one to yeah. run. The biggest downside will be no dark vision, but yeah, there's ways. But yeah, I think class is definitely usually where I pick first. Just because, and we were mentioning this a little bit off mic, class is really, like, the biggest differentiator between characters and, like, yeah. what your character is going to do and be good at and how they're going to grow, what they're not going to be good at. Like, it really dictates so much.
1: For sure. So let's uh, let's go over what all these different classes are um, as far as, you know, what can they do? I kind of, I broke them down. There's, like, the punchy boys and then the spellcasters That's kind of yeah. how I generally break them down. Like, as far as when I'm picking a character, what do I want to do? Do I want to be a straight-up attacker? Do I want to attack with swords or do I want to just stand back and blast them from a distance?
0: For sure. Yeah, um. and it should be it should be said that like there's also something called a subclass which can sometimes make the punchy boy have the ability to cast some spells or mm-hmm. maybe it'll make the spellcaster be able to punch a little bit or use a weapon. Right. So, some of these it does take time learning the ins and outs, but just bear with us. We're going over a kind of surface level view of all of the main classes that are featured in the player's handbook.
1: Yeah. So speaking of punchy boys, first up, <laughs> we've got the monk. He is the epitome of the punchy boy. He runs up, he punches stuff a bunch of times And if you build him right, he can just run away again.
0: Mm -hmm. I usually describe them as like, this is the character who knows martial arts.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: Granted, you can use different weapons, but they're usually weapons that in your mind's eye, if you're just kind of stereotyping a martial artist... These are the weapons that they would probably use, like a quarterstaff or shuriken or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, And they channel a very important resource for monks called ki. And and they have something called ki points. Mm -hmm. And it's just another mechanic uh, that they've added to this particular class. So it's like a pool of points that that character has. And this will come up with a bunch of different classes or subclasses where you'll have this extra little 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 resource. Yeah. Yeah, and they'll be called something unique, but they're kind of all the same vibe. You mm-hmm. have a pool of points, and different actions or different abilities cost a certain number of points. And then once you run out of those points, you either have to take a short or a long rest. Um, which is
1: big. And like, recharge them. Rechar- being able to recharge on a short rest, which you know, we'll, we can go, we'll go over rests in depth at some point. But like being able to refresh on a short rest versus having to wait for a long rest to get your stuff back is a very big point for monk for monks um huge. and so basically what you're going to be spending those key points on as far as like mechanically speaking you can use it to hit more stuff you can use it to run faster jump higher fly farther whatever you want to do it basically gives you more stuff to do on your turn rather than just standing around and punching stuff. You can move. Exactly. Like monks are monks are a very mobile, mobile class, and if you get the feet mobile with them, they are absolutely devastating.
0: They certainly can be once they get that stunning strike where you can start mm-hmm. potentially hitting people's like. If you think of it, almost as like, <laughs> I always think of when I think of monks, it's so hard for me to get out of like an anime mindset. Yeah, I think a <laughs> ninja. So I'm just like, time. yo, you hitting their, you're hitting their shocker points, right? <laughs> And you're locking up their chakra and now they're frozen. And that's kind of like the whole vibe of monks is like, do you want your character to be an anime? Like a Naruto character? (laughs) Yeah. Monk might be the choice for you.
1: That's the one. Um, Because you can Um, even do, there's uh, one of the subclasses gives you the ability to use key points to like cast spells and stuff. So you really mm -hmm. can get real in depth with it. Um, It's wild.
0: It is wild. And like there's a newer subclass that is like Sunbeam something or other. And man, it you if you want to be a Super Saiyan, this is your vibe. You're shooting energy blasts from a distance. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. An at range monk. Yeah. It's absolutely kill it's me. Craziness.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely kill me dead. And some uh, of these things, like you like as a DM, you want your players to be Good at the game, but at the same time, character creation is one of those times where you want your players to be really bad at the game, (laughs) (laughs) because this is this is this is where you can really break games. This is where I break them for sure continually. It's my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting back to the monks, um, as far as stat wise, what you're going to be looking at, um, they are really fast, and in D anD D, fast. Quickness, agility, stuff like that is generally associated with dexterity. That is just a broad thing. Dexterity is going to be tied into how fast you move. With um, a monk, it's going to determine how hard you hit because your um, attack strength goes up the higher your dexterity is rather than your strength score with uh, a fighter or barbarian. Right. And then also, wisdom, if you're going to be. What would wisdom be? Like, how would you define wisdom? Oh, how and would I define giant, it? And, I use and, and, and. a really,
0: yeah, I use a really textbook thing. Um, again, I didn't come up with this, but I use the idea of like to describe the difference between intelligence and wisdom is intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, wisdom is knowing that it still doesn't belong in fruit salad. Right. And then charisma is being able to sell that as a salsa. Yes. And then like strength is how hard you can smash a tomato, tomato dexterity yep. is how far you can throw a tomato and constitution is yeah that's how, how well you thing. can handle eating a rotten tomato <laughs> yeah that's sort of the vibe so yeah like monks you want wisdom because when you m- hit those stunning strikes and the monster has to make a saving throw the number that decides that dc is going to be your wisdom right. and for monks wisdom is also going to help your armor class so it's going to in addition to dexterity make it harder for creatures to hit you.
1: Yeah, and that's a monk thing. So those are definitely a thing, I think, right? The wisdom thing.
0: For wisdom, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Being able to add that to your AC is huge cuz monks aren't allowed to wear armor. If they wear armor, all their all their abilities break
0: pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but those are the monks and they're yeah. amazing. I've never played one except are, as um... a villain, and it was fun. It was a um, lot of fun.
1: So next up after the uh, after the punchy boy is the stabby boy? Maybe, One of the stabby sort of. boys?
0: Yeah. Well, it, this is... Is, it's hard to say because he if we're doing really... fighter
1: next, are we doing fighter next? Let's do fighter next, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Fighters are interesting. So they can stab, they can punch, they can shoot arrows- they can, they're masters of weapons and armor, so pretty much any weapon, any piece of armor that's listed in the game, Maybe fighters use can use, it. and they're good at. So it is unreal what fighters are able to do from a martial standpoint. They also are noticeably very good at combat because of several different abilities that fighters gain um, in some of the earlier levels, too. They might get better as they level up, but... Things like Second Wind, which is just a quick bonus action ability to do some healing. Mm -hmm. You get something really unique to fighters that can absolutely change a combat encounter known as Action Surge. That is a game changer. It just gives you an extra action, essentially, to do whatever you want with, which can come in clutch during some really make-or-break moments.
1: Because as a fighter, also, as you're leveling up, you're being able to hit more per turn and so yes getting another action once you have three attacks turns your three attacks into six attacks that's six chances at a crit in one turn Mm -hmm. yeah and then there are classes where you can make your crit which is rolling a 20 on the die um you can make your crit happen on a 19 or a 20 or an 8 i think an 18 or 18 to 20 is that there's
0: ways there's ways to make it an 18 yeah
1: so it's wild. You can get You can get wild because when that happens, then you take all the dice that you were just about to roll for damage. And then you take this another whole set of the same amount of dice. So two, two times the dice. And then you add your proficiency score to all the hits, which if you're hitting six times, you're adding your proficiency, your strength or decks. Yeah. Six say, times. or decks. Yeah. Cause that's the beautiful
0: the level thing level. about fighters is like, there's a couple ways to work magic into a fighter, whether it's mm. like the Eldritch Knight subclass or other little tiny things. But for the most part, this is a martial class through and through, and it ex- it takes all of the stuff of being a martial class and just makes it better. You're <laughs> yeah. just so good at it, and I know, like for someone like myself and maybe like Taylor, it can people who love having spells, it can yeah feel my lo- almost like knee jerk reaction is like eh, it's a little boring and i have to say i think i underestimated how cool a fighter can be if you put in a little bit extra work right to role play your fighter abilities if you role play and describe your battle maneuvers or your your you know your different strikes and like how you're doing them and try and have some fun with it and like make a movie in your mind I think it could be dope, because yeah. I've run a couple of NPCs who have helped alongside you guys who have been fighters, like Ian, for example, who's a oh. gunslinger, which is a really specific subclass that's not in the player's handbook, but I suggest Googling it. Give it a give, bing it.
1: Give it bing um, it.
0: Yeah, give it, give it a gook. <laughs> but um, he was doing so much damage in the last fight, yeah. and then he can use Action Surge to reload his weapon and take another couple shots it's it's amazing like what he's able to do and then he can just heal himself with second healing second wind it's nuts indomitable gives him an extra roll on a saving throw that he fails like once per short and a lot of his abilities come back on a short rest it's wild fighters yeah. are underrated i think yeah um, and i get it you know, but I like a fighter.
1: No, and there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with it. There, th- like, like you said, it is, it does, it puts more of the onus of having fun on the player. Honestly, because yeah. if you're not having fun with the class that you're using, then you know you're maybe not playing it wrong. But also, like, if you're getting bored with, oh, I run up and hit it, oh, I run up and hit it, well, then say something else other than I run up and hit it, you know? Yeah, Like, describe exactly. what the fight looks like, because that's one of the big things that, like, d has over video games and stuff like that is, like, there really are no restraints as far as what anything looks like. You know, it's all a, 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 a story that you're all kind of visualizing in your head. You know, you can use things yep. like minis and tokens and stuff like that to kind of help players visualize what's going on, but for the most part, all the action happens in your head. And if there's not enough action happening in your head, that means that you're not, you know, verbalizing what's going on in the fight enough.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And some of that comes from the DM, but the players can contribute as much as possible. Right. And like you were saying, there's no limits. It's really just like I mean, I guess I would go into it understanding that, like, if you say I shoot an arrow in the monster's eye, is he blind? It's like mm, that might that may not be exactly how that works, <laughs> right? But, like, you could shoot him in the eye; he just maybe isn't blinded in terms of game mechanics. Yeah, because- but you could still shoot him in the eye, and you could sh- chop his Achilles and
1: go crazy, stab him in the. Clavicle, I don't care. Let's have fun with it. But mechanically, <laughs> rules-wise, it changes nothing about the fight. You're still, exactly. you don't have that ability to do that as a character. Like on your character sheet, there's no like hamstring ability that you can use to, you know, slow somebody <laughs> or cut them down, or like you know, cut off their leg or whatever, and then have them be at disadvantage for the rest right. of the fight. That that's not a thing. That's not a thing. In, uh, you know, you can say it, it, rule it however you want as far as that, but, like, you can just kind of say whatever you want as long as, the, you know, mechanically you're still following the rule book. you're not going to run into really any trouble.
0: Yeah. And speaking of trouble, Uh-oh. our next class is a little <laughs> bit of a bad boy. He's a little <laughs> bit of a hothead, some might say. <laughs> it's the Spice- Barbarian. Spicy brain. <laughs> Yeah, this I've been playing a lot of God of War Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. This has Kratos written all over it. <laughs> 100%,
1: 100 100%, 100%. It's because he's got the Spartan Rage. He literally has rage. <laughs> he literally has he literally rages, which is the barbarians claim to fame. Like that's what yeah, they do. Yeah, it's the bread and butter of the barbarian is an
0: ability called rage where the idea is that like your character gets so mad that damage done to them doesn't hurt them as much and the damage that you do does even more and then there's a million different like little abilities based on your rage which can what differ involved. depending on the subclass you, you choose get, and all that kind of stuff
1: you get but, mad and you hit things that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's what you do as a barbarian <laughs> That's um, kind of
0: it. It's it's really, really fun, though, because you're going to be doing a lot of damage. You're yeah. going to be able to take a lot of damage. Assuming that the damage that you're taking is either slashing, piercing, or bludgeoning damage, once in a while, you'll come up with a monster who does, like, poison or psychic, and you're like, uh-huh. holy shit. <laughs> <My> <laughs> that, huge that actually maxi- hurts. That actually hurts. <laughs> oh, <Stop> no. it! <laughs> <Stop> it. <laughs> but yeah. it is still so much fun being that kind of stereotypical tanky like i don't know it's, it's really really fun i barbarian was uh one of the earlier classes that i tried mm-hmm. um with a character named walden, walden that was in the first game that we played together yeah and walden was this idea of being like a gentle giant like came from a forest community where everybody would normally be a cleric but then they got slaughtered by an evil group of orcs. And so he chose barbarian to be rageful and all this shit. And so strength is your number one best friend when you're a barbarian. Big uh,
1: angry boy hit thing with the stick. Constitution
0: <laughs> is really important. Yeah. Because just like the monk gets to add both dex and wisdom to their armor class, which is, again, how hard it is for creatures to hit you. Mm-hmm. Barbarians get to add dexterity and I think constitution. I'm pretty sure it's constitution.
1: We're, we're
0: yeah. Yeah. What's can, the rule on I'm that?
1: I'm <laughs> confirming right now. I'm consulting <laughs> the rule book. Uh, barbarians. But yeah,
0: barbarians are so much fun. You have some subclasses that are going to make you even lean into the rage more, where you get a little crazy, a little berserker. You can kind of get a little more in touch with nature and be a totem warrior. Um, there's path of the zealot where you kind of dip a little bit into religion and it's so much fun.
1: Yeah. And it is uh, it is constitution dexterity plus constitution. constitution. Yeah. It's 10 plus dexterity plus constitution. There you go. And that's how you Nailed determine it. that. And we will, uh, again, when we get into combat, we'll go into more into detail, what AC and all that stuff is. So yeah, that's Ush. the, that's the, what that's if I, much. what if I want to stab something way over there?
0: Oh, well then you don't want to do what Megan did and make a strength based ranger. You're gonna <laughs> wanna do what a ranger's come <laughs> gonna call her out. You're gonna <laughs> You're gonna wanna make a dexterity based ranger.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, that is the most common ranger. They are your standard fair archer. They've got the bow and quiver. Um, they're gonna use their your dexterity. Is basically what you're going to be using for your, most of your attacks and wisdom, or yeah, wisdom for your saving throws. So basically, you're going to build this almost exactly like a monk, only instead of running up and punching them, you're going to stay back and f- punch them with a bunch of arrows.
0: Hundred percent. And I, just to be clear, you can make a strength-based ranger. And yeah. Megan's character Sonny does a butt ton of damage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> does True. So
0: much damage. She also she's a horizon walker subclass. So she has yes. a million and one different ways to get away from danger. Whether it's Misty Step or the Blink Spell, which is that's a homebrew thing yeah. that I fully regret. And it's my I'll lie in that bed since I made it. <laughs> um and
1: <laughs> You live and you learn. Um,
0: but she's got she's got a million different ways to get away from creatures and stuff like that. So you can make a strength based ranger. Yeah. But I think
1: I like. Just that's like what. That's saying. what we would call an advanced build. That's when yeah, you that's when, when you really know player. when you really know what you want to do. As far as you know exactly how to dial in the damage, then you can go do these crazy kind of off book builds. As long as you are working, you know, yeah. working together with the player DM together, working together on this because it only works if the DM lets it happen basically, you know, you can do this, but like, as you just said, um, you know, there are things that a a ranger just can't do that Mm -hmm. you're going to, as a DM have to work with to fill in some of the gaps. And so that both you, you as the dungeon master and the player have a good time telling the story still.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent because ranger gets a couple of abilities that whether your strength or decks, it doesn't matter. They get a couple of abilities that are going to be so specific to um, the setting in terms of how useful they are and therefore how much fun the ranger is having. Like, for example, (laughs) you get something called favored enemy where you can potentially do extra damage against them depending on the rule set or you can have advantage on intelligence checks about that type of monster. But if that monster never comes up, you're screwed. You just pick that and it is meaningless same as favored terrain where you can pick like arctic urban underground forest mountain uh, ocean whatever right yeah if you pick ocean and you're freaking landlocked well then yeah, it's never gonna come that's up that's on both you and the DM for not communicating right at the end of the day it's both of your guys faults <laughs> <laughs> honestly and then but if you go Ranger to jail does,
1: yeah <laughs> Go Go to to bed, go to bed, no dinner. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And finally, the ranger does have some spells, but it's a pretty limited spell list, and it doesn't get that high level. I think the highest level that a ranger can cast without like some kind of outside help is a fifth level. Okay. And, um, but the, I mean, it makes all of the spells yeah. kind of make sense. A lot of them are borrowed from the Druid spell list. Well, and, and also we
1: can, we can kind of get into multi-classing it a little bit, but also, you know, if you're multi-classing a spellcaster, you're also going to have these same kind of limitations as far as what level spells you can cast. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, there's a give and a take, you know, the Ranger is really good at shooting things. So, it's not fair to have it also be really good at spell casting. Exactly. You
0: know? No, it totally makes sense. The fact that it can't necessarily cast a ninth level spell in one turn and then do three freaking amazing arrow shots with a different turn. <laughs> right. Um, but they're a lot of fun. I mean there's the subclasses can make them completely this is true for every class, I suppose, but they can make them super unique and, and I these, think when you go over the spell list you'll realize that we are onto something when we say that it's usually set up to be an archer of yeah, some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, a lot of spells that are like very specifically for archers.
1: <laughs> and um th- but this this class also gives way to um a lot of good RP moments, too, um, because mm-hmm. they get they get spells like speak with animals and, oh, yeah. um, you know, other things. <laughs> that's the only one speak that's come into mind. speak with plants. Yeah. 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 So they get kind yeah. of these. They're almost druids in that nature just because mm-hmm. they can, you know, that leaves that gives you another opportunity to give your players information. You know, and also that doesn't involve you just saying, okay, you're here. Now you're here. Now you're here. Then you can kind of exposit through the world itself rather than just having this all-knowing Morgan Freeman narrating everything. Exactly.
0: And speaking of all-knowing Morgan Freeman, (laughs) some people might want to worship him and pledge an oath to them. And those people would be paladins.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, wow, that was like that is a segue. It's like Paul Blart up in here. <laughs> uh yeah. But yeah, paladins are like the, the holy warrior types. Um they're exactly. gonna be you know, they have the big what you like close your eyes, think of a paladin. That's you're gonna have the big sword. Nailed it. The big the big art like just the big fancy plate armor that's super mm-hmm. like encapsulates their whole body and um they're gonna be able to do some kind of weird light thing they, they're always <laughs> using light for some reason they're always they got it either around them that comes out of their hands they're just light individuals which you can also flavor that in any a million ways you could make an evil paladin you know it all certainly done it's it's all yeah, comes yeah. up comes down to how you want to flavor it
0: that's the name of the game knights so templar. yeah paladins it's, it's right
1: there in my in front of my face knights <laughs> knights think of the, templar think of the knights templar yeah. that's a paladin pretty much yeah. <laughs> picture
0: yeah yeah at the end of the day picture a knight like old school mm-hmm. medieval style knight mm-hmm. going, going to medieval times and that's them yeah but they are imbued with magic sort of like a vibe Again, like the ranger, they're really good at hitting things with a weapon and therefore they're getting some spells, which is dope. But they're not getting all the spells. Right. So they get a lot of cool spells that are usually chosen from the cleric spell list, um not 100%, but some of mm-hmm. them seem to be from that vibe because they oh, yeah. are sort of this like religious character. They kind of normally. are
1: clerics a little bit. They're a little they're like a weapon specializing cleric basically.
0: Exactly, yeah. So you get um, a couple spells. You're really good at weapons and armor. You have an incredibly strong ability called Divine Smite, where you can just Smite. pump extra damage into one of your melee hits. Or actually, you can pump it into every melee Any, hit, as long yeah. as you have the spell slots for it. Right. Um, you have a little bit of healing, just add like, a pool of healing points that you can dish out and potentially cure diseases or poisons with and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, you're mainly going to be using strength for hitting stuff and then charisma for spellcasting stuff. Yeah. But so this is the first kind of
1: time with the charisma, uh, as a, as a modifier here, most of we're starting to get more into the spellcaster types, although we have one more martial class to get to, but, um, Mm -hmm. The big thing about paladins, that smite, bro. That smite does That smite is big. So much damage. You time it yeah. right.
0: And when you a, when it, you crit
1: All those dice can double too, baby.
0: Here's the little fun fact about smite. I know we we don't want to get too in depth about uh-huh. like rules and, and combat stuff and all this but shit. But this is a
1: big one. This here's is the thing.
0: One. You don't have to say that you're doing the divine smite until after you know if you hit or not. Right. So, if you got the spell slots for it, and you roll a crit, again, a natural 20, uh, yeah, pump pump a smite into that with up. whatever you got. Pump, pump it up. Because it's going to be double the dice, double the damage, usually, and you're going to be sitting pretty. <laughs> you got a high charisma score, so you're literally sitting pretty. I mean, come uh, on. Yeah,
1: yeah. You're, that's li- like, the, if you had to pick a stat for how pretty you are, dext- uh, charisma. I was <laughs> going to say dexterity. Yeah, like... <laughs> Dexterity. How good are you at brushing your hair and your teeth? <laughs> and your teeth. I want to see. <laughs> no. All right. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's the main thing about Paladins, just smite, baby smite. That's their big thing. They're so going to be big. able to – they're going to be good at mainly hitting stuff and smiting. I mean, when you th- think of smiting and smashing things, think Paladin. <laughs>
0: That's them. Now, since she like, said teeth, that kind of reminds me of the next one. <laughs> I'm just te- kidding. I can't segue it, this one.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we do have the, the last <laughs> if martial was class. was going to
0: steal your teeth? It would be this one,
1: and it's rogue. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rogue. Rogue. That's that's your that's your sneaky boy. That's tooth the guy. Fairy went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one way to take it. That's one way to to do the rogue as the as the tooth fairy. That's. <laughs> Little. am huh, that down. That's a future character. Future character Tooth Fairy rug? Okay, cool. Um, Rogue. But yeah, so what, what this character's good at is pretty much the skulking around and your sneaky spy type. Um, their big thing is, A, they are generally good at stealth, although that's something that you kind of pick uh, as far as what your proficiency is mm-hmm. going to be. But um, most yeah. rogues are pretty good at stealth, which means that they're going to have real high dexterity. Um, yep. They also get um, Thieves' Tools, um, which allows them to kind of pick locks and stuff like that. Um, generally, mm-hmm. they'll spend their proficiency on that. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the big thing, Sneak Attack. Huge. That is where the Thief... The Thief. The rogue really shines in combat. Um, it's going to yep. be... Uh, the sneak attacks, because depending on what type of rogue you are, you get uh, either advantage on your attack or, you know, you're actually still able to use your sneak attack um, when, like, when somebody's five feet away. Like, if one of your allies is five feet away or there's no allies five feet away. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah, it depends
0: on... A lot of, Yeah.
1: Um, but as you level up, these sneak attack dice are basically something that you can add onto your first attack every round that's generally yeah. it's d6s and it just you get to do, put so many d6s on by the time you're a decent level rogue you're rolling all the d6s on the first set every time
0: yeah it does feel like a lot and like <laughs> the, the nice thing so like rogues are interesting because like you're not gonna have the most health in the world, maybe not the highest armor class necessarily, you're going to do a ton of damage and you're going to be super mobile. Yes. Not mobile in the same way that the monk is, Like your speed's not gonna be really, really high where you can move around the entire board five times. But you have something called cunning action pretty early on, which lets you use your bonus action to either dash, disengage, or hide. So you can run in, do your sneak attack, little stabby stab, and then you can disengage so that they can't hit you as you run away. It's such a fun class. It I think is. that it takes them getting used to and understanding sneak attack is a huge part of that, especially in combat. And then out of combat, it's a lot of fun too, because you're gonna be so crucial for your team when it comes to everything lock picking, checking right. for traps, being stealthy, and like maybe being the scout of the group sort of. So there's a lot of out of combat role play opportunities for you for sure
1: a lot of people will play this as the asshole of the group just be wary mm. yeah outflow. if you're
0: uh, yeah we we won't get into the nitty-gritty of it but just understand that like if you're pickpocketing your friends if you're doing it I've done it once before but it was because me and Megan were playing sisters like our uh-huh. characters were sisters and I immediately gave it back to her. And it was just like my, it was like my character's way of being like, I could have stolen this from you.
1: Neena, neena, neena. Right.
0: And I immediately gave it to her. It was
1: like, look what I stole from your pocket. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Like I wasn't actually going to take her purse
1: of gold. Allowing players move. to steal <laughs> from other players is generally a very slippery slip that leads to everybody angry. It usually nobody's, does. Yeah. Nobody's going to be happy at the end of that session.
0: So you need to have like, that needs to be a conversation that happens beforehand. It needs to be like, that can only occur at a table where there's immense trust. Yeah. You know? Cause it's one thing, like if I steal like this tiny ass little memento from the other character and then I give it back or something like there's ways to do it and still have like fun and like have a little laugh about it. And then there's ways to do it because you're like genuinely trying to like Steal this item from them just so you can have it. Like, yeah. Don't be a dick. Don't be
1: that guy. Don't be that guy.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's gonna like. Be, I've seen, i
1: I am gonna make that a segment. We're gonna do a "Don't be that guy" segment. We're gonna talk. We about
0: absolutely it. should talk about red flags and yeah, horror stories. Um, because I've seen stealing items from uh fellow players done in a way that actually was like so awesome, and it really propelled the a character's story. But it was because like, um a character became obsessed with a particular item and it ended up that they were being cursed by this item. So then when another character was like, this item is not good for them. Like it's, it's making them not as good in battle. They're not thinking clearly like right. this, ever since they've gotten this item, it's been messing with them. So then they stole it from them. And then that character had like an, a public freak out. It was like, who the hell took my thing and like called everybody out like in character for the mm-hmm. record, this is on critical role. So these are like professionals yeah. and they're like very good friends. So it's different than like doing this yeah. a normal home game. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beautiful, and that's, but and that's, that's what I mean. That's, and you just, that's one of those things you do have to kind of discuss with your characters or with your players up front, as far as like mm-hmm. what everybody's okay with having happen. Like I know most of the people that I play with are going to be not cool. If somebody, in the party decides to just start snagging their stuff off of them. And that's going to either lead to a PC fight where somebody winds up dead and then somebody's re rerolling a character and all the plot points that you had thought for this character are gone. Or you try to do some kind of amelioration between the two parties and it just,
0: and now you're pure mediator. Yeah. And you're like, goodness gracious. And that's
1: not the fun, that's not the fun part of being a DM. That's the, that's the annoying part of being a DM. Exactly. But let's get back into the magic. Oh, oh
0: wait, speaking of magic, <laughs> let's get into spellcasters, Taylor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about them. What's uh, what's what do you when you think of spellcasters? What which what, what do you normally think of? Because I know I usually think of like Gandalf, Harry Potter type spellcasters, right? Like those okay. are not in the
0: sense of D and D because no. i'm a bard boy okay I die. yeah yeah, yeah. But no yeah
1: fair <laughs> we enough we could start enough. with the wizard but yeah let's do the let's <laughs> okay we all right stick all to right. our list yeah 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 we're gonna we're gonna but like i mean when somebody thinks of somebody who has never heard of dungeons and dragons thinks of a spellcaster. Mm-hmm. that's where the mind goes first yeah Merlin. That... yes the the old with the big hat and the 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 robes Robes, yeah yeah Yeah. um i i don't know why they can't afford like regular clothes but they're just walking around in robes whatever um you have a wand a spell book of some sort of thing that's it's your traditional wizard type
0: exactly so yeah wizards are gonna wizards get their magic from study so the idea is that they've studied so much in the nature of arcane magic that they are able to replicate it and so they're able to cast spells and speak incantations to do different magical effects and rituals and all this kind of stuff they're not going to have a ton of health they're not going to have a great armor like armor class because they're not going to be wearing any armor right they're going to be solely dependent on spell casting. because they're also not almost always not going to be good at anything melee whatsoever Right, You're there not, are exceptions, but they're very specific.
1: Right, they're the nerds among the nerds. Like, yes, these are the guys who literally just sit in a room and read books all day every day. That's what they do, and that's how they got to be so good at stuff. So they're gonna their main their main stat that they're gonna be using is gonna be uh, intelligence. Their their actual raw brain power is how they're casting these spells.
0: Yeah. Um, One of the only classes, um, there's a new class in some of the more recent books, like in Tasha's called artificer, which we'll probably go into in another episode when we dive into classes, like really in depth. Um, but for now we didn't touch on it, but yeah. Artificer is like, I don't know, steampunk picture that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they use intelligence also, but other than that, it's really just wizards.
1: Yeah. Everything else kind of uses something else like, um, Sorcerer, which is like the opposite of the mm-hmm. wizard, where they didn't—they don't need no book learning. They use mm. the power of their pretty faces to make the magic happen around them.
0: That's it. This is a charisma-based spellcaster, um, of which there's a couple. But sorcerers—the vibe is sort of yeah—that their their magic is innate. They're like born with it so to speak. Um, maybe it's maybe so maybe. they have this, maybe it's maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And they can, <laughs> they not only have such a powerful grasp on magic. Cause the interesting thing about sorcerers, I don't know. I, obviously you're playing a multi-class one right now.
1: Mm. Th-
0: they don't get a ton of spells.
1: Their yeah, spell the spells list that is big. Get but is... in terms
0: of like spells known. Yeah they don't get a ton but the ones that you do know you are really good at then and you all. get something called meta magic and sorcery points where you can change the nature of magic which is wild yeah so like that's such a game changer
1: one of there's we'll go we'll go over them again later in depth but like Some of the things that you can do as a sorcerer is if you're casting a big fireball that does like a 40 foot range or something, you can spend sorcery points to make your allies take less damage um mm-hmm. you can force a bad guy to be at disadvantage on a saving throw against your spells um you can increase the amount of damage it does in general you can just add dice or make it uh you can re make it so that you can re-roll your ones i think it's ones and twos i on so. the damage. you could
0: even you could even i don't mean i'm just spitballing here but you could even change that fireball from doing fire damage to doing lightning damage mm-hmm. and then couple it up with a channel divinity from your cleric class which we'll get into to do max damage i mean i don't know i'm just thinking outside the box
1: i mean i i I could (laughs) justin but you're already you've already almost killed me so many goddamn times (laughs) i don't i don't want to make you more mad uh but yeah uh the the sorcerer cleric combo i'm a fan i'm a big fan um yeah but we the, hey, uh, let's
0: just jump right into cleric
1: then. let's just jump right into cleric all right yeah clerics yeah, are we're... like um so they are the more divine paladin so like you've got the paladin which is good at mainly doing the slicey stabby smashy thing and they have kind of okay spell casting whereas the cleric is more of a the spellcast spellcaster but they can also do the uh they can wear armor which is big for a spellcaster um mm-hmm. they also have access to martial weapons so they can use a mace or a sword or what whatever they can use a shield and they also they're also spellcasters. <laughs> throw that out there Just, they certainly they, are <laughs> they they also they also cast spells um and that's what they're mainly mainly good at. This is generally the party healer um, for most part. If you go by, like, normal party composition, this is usually the party's healer. This is the person who knows the healing spells. If somebody drops, they're the person to bring them back up. Um, and you yeah. get a lot of cool abilities, depending on which domain you pick as a cleric, um, that will either help you deal more damage when you're casting spells or it'll help you um if you're especially if you're going like life domain you'll be able to do more and better healing generally uh, um then it gives you a lot of options to
0: flavor your cleric so that Mm -hmm. i've i've played cleric several times and each one could not have been more different yeah because the cleric has a really good spell list and then has this and unfortunately, this doesn't help with like one shots, which is my sadness when I play clerics. Mm-hmm. But they have a really unique ability where every time you take a long rest, you can change your spells. Yeah, that's, that's also very big, unreal.
1: Whereas that's, with the sorcerer that we were uh, just talking about, you can only change your spells. One, or, uh yeah, you can only change your spells. Uh, at level up, technically, yeah. you know, if you're the DM exactly. and you want to let your players switch spells whenever they want, do it. It doesn't matter. It's
0: all fake. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would be careful to let them do it whenever they want. But That's true. If they're like, if they're really like, listen, Justin, I'm never using this one spell. I've never used it. I, I thought I would. I I've haven't literally haven't cast it once. Can I switch it with this one? And it's a similar like level, and they're both on the sorcerer list. That's one thing. Right. But I wouldn't let the sorcerer pick their new spells every long rest because that's, that's going to bite you in the ass. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Cuz cleric spell list has like a lot of it's such a beautiful mix of like there's some really intense in combat stuff like spiritual guardian, spiritual weapon. Um A lot of healing stuff, but then there's also a lot of out of combat stuff like locate object or like identify poisons or something.
1: Divination is a good one,
0: yeah. Calm emotions can be huge, like augury. There's like some sleepers out there in that spell list that, depending on the vibe of your cleric, will make way more sense or way less sense, yeah. And it's beautiful that you get to pick a spell. Where you're like, oh, tomorrow we're supposed to go find that person that we know about. Alright, I'll prepare Locate Creature so that tomorrow mm-hmm. I'll have that spell and we can use it. And then when we're getting to combat, I won't You need that spell. I'll pick up Spiritual Guardians or whatever. Right. So, yeah, it's gonna be an amazing class. It's so versatile. It has, like, I think the most subclasses of any class. Wizard is has got a bunch, yeah. But, um, and it's going to be wisdom is going to be your bread and butter for all of your spell casting. And then probably constitution, because there's a lot of, uh, having health is huge, obviously. Yeah. For, especially if you're the healer. But then also for concentration checks. Yeah. Because um, there's you're... certain spells that require concentration. And when you get hit, you might drop that spell. And constitution is going to help you maintain that. But yeah, the only other class that has the ability to sort of, Switch out their spells every single long rest is Druid, which is another class that it breaks my heart to say that I've never played as a player. Right. I've made some NPCs, and I have a special little NPC that I'll probably be maybe
1: throwing in there, uh, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the big thing about Druids, the thing about them... That they can do um, is their wild shape. That's the that's mm-hmm. going to be their main thing. What that is is they are able to transform into a beast that they've seen, as long as it's a challenge rating of a certain level, based on what whatever level they are as a druid. So they can transform into like bears and horses and whatever. Um, yeah. Which leads to a lot of fun, both in combat and out of combat.
0: Yeah, I can't stress that enough. I think if you're only using your wild shape for a- in combat, I think you're not utilizing your druid for all that it can be. Mm-hmm. It's like you're having a sundae, but you're not using any toppings.
1: That's like, just Listen, ice I got cream.
0: sensitive teeth too, but to splurge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, druids get their magic from nature, so it's it has a lot of like hippie vibes and a lot of like kumbaya sort of vibes on the surface but then you can get into some really awesome role play uh with the spell list which similar to rangers you're going to be able to speak to animals maybe speak to plants make plants grow you could conjure plants or animals or even elementals and this is another one just like cleric where wisdom is going to be your main stat when it comes Mm -hmm. to spellcasting and spell save DC and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then the last thing I personally will say about druids is the subclasses are a lot of fun to explore. I feel a little biased because I've never played a druid. Mm -hmm. So all I can personally think about is the circle of the moon druid, which is just going to make your wild shape more powerful. Right. There's other ones that will make your spellcasting more powerful. And then there's completely out of left field subclasses that can make you turn into a bunch of stars or light a fire or do some mushroom shit. It's wild.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Druids. Druids can be a lot of fun. And again, like they're fun in combat and out of combat specifically because Mm -hmm. of what class they are. If you're looking to, you know, be a spellcaster for doing just damage, you know, wizard cleric probably might be, I mean, all the, or wizard or sorcerer might be kind of more your speed. You can kind of do the Mm -hmm. out of character stuff, you know, as needed, but you're not really going to have a whole lot of those talking to animals and stuff. Whereas like druid cleric, you have a lot of opportunities to reach out to other entities that maybe the dungeon master hasn't thought of. Um, it just leads to a lot of, it's a lot of fun.
0: It is so much fun. There's nothing I enjoy more than when a player casts speak with animals or speak with plants. Mm Mm-hmm. And having the opportunity to be like, time all right, a silly voice. This is the first time that this creature has ever spoken to a human or an elf or whatever. <laughs> and they, it's not like they're instantly like smart as hell. They just right. like, for some they reason have language. So yeah, they it's like, they're. Talk. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. I always imagine them being confused by language. Like, mm. how do I say words? Why do I know
1: what the context is of these words?
0: <laughs> 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 it's so fun. So fun playing Marshmallow. Yeah. And then we have a uh, two more charisma based
1: casters.
0: We have the Light and Jolly and the Dark and Sinister
1: normally. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Obviously, you can play them anyway. Yeah, way.
1: exactly. Like so we'll uh we'll get into that real quick with the warlock. So yeah. This is the kind of like you said the the Dark and Sinister spellcaster who's got a pact with a demon who's you know gonna (laughs) ask for souls and all this and that and third you don't have to play it like that but that's generally how the warlock is cast usually so what the warlocks deal is they've made a bargain with an entity of some sort for their magic whereas like different from the wizard which does it by book learning and the sorcerer who gets it from within themselves the warlock has sought out some kind of outside entity to give them magic powers basically and then that entity is going to want something in return for that which is another awesome way to lead in for uh you know some kind of rp interaction this is another really kind of cool rp thing that you can do um with your players yeah
0: definitely because while the fiend which is sort of encapsulates that like demon or devil, like Dr. Faustus and Mephistopheles kind of vibes. While that's probably the most prevalent warlocks can also make packs with archfey, which are like super powerful beings above elves kind of, or you can do it with like an eldritch horror, which is like Cthulhu vibes of like Lovecraft and stuff. Um, And then there's a bunch of newer ones, but those are the main three. And then it's like just a downside (laughs) <laughs> in some regards is warlocks have very few spell slots two. So You usually only get like two spell slots. I think at the really high levels, you get three. Yeah, but I could be wrong, but they're going to recharge on a short rest. So every single time your character, you know, chills out for an hour and doesn't really do much, you get your spell slots back. So right. it, which is huge, huge you for you to yeah. bang the spells out.
1: Huge for a um, spellcaster. Cause everybody huge, else got to wait huge. for long rest.
0: Exactly. They gotta wait till (laughs) night-night. You can do it on a nap. And then you got Eldritch Invocations. It's gonna give you a ton of different little fun (laughs) abilities that you get to use to customize your character and maybe give you extra spells, maybe give you extra abilities. All of this is gonna be wrapped around the Charisma ability. And I think... That it's so interesting to make or play a warlock who doesn't have Eldritch Blast,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> which so is a particular cantrip, which is like a zero level spell. So, aka, you, cast you can it cast free. it over and over and over again, and it's just a. And I'm picturing energy beam. It's just like an at distance mm-hmm. damage dealing spell um, that levels up as you level up. Like you can cast more of them, and i think that that is crucial
1: yeah 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 and like that's the big thing too so like you don't get a whole lot of spell slots so you no. you know which you can use for higher level spells like uh warlocks get access to like most higher level spells first but they can only use them twice a day Um, Mm -hmm. as far as like what level I, I'm pretty sure that they get access to like fifth level slots before anybody else. Right. And, um, but the, the other thing is, is because they only have two spell slots, they're really, 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 really good at cantrips. So that Eldritch Blast scaling with you as you level gets really big later on. Like it's, once you get up to higher levels, you're rolling multiple D10s. Whereas at right at first you're rolling one. So it doesn't, it's kind yeah. of underwhelming at the beginning, but as you level up and it gets stronger, it really does scale well.
0: 100%. And, and then you have the Eldritch Invocations, which can make your Eldritch Blast even more powerful. Yeah. I mean, I'm dealing with a freaking Celestial Warlock over here who can add her charisma to every single one to add extra damage. And then she's doing plus <laughs> 10 feet of pushing yep. for every one that hits. Yeah. So if she hits with three Eldritch Blasts, that creature is getting pushed 30 feet. Kiss bridge maps goodbye. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You're never fighting on a bridge again with any confidence.
1: (laughs) That's the other big thing about them. Because they're so good at um, cantrips, they can cast multiple cantrips in a turn. Whereas most, uh, most casters are limited to one. You pick a spell to do and maybe a cantrip. But whatever you're doing for your action, that's it they get their cantrips almost like attacks for a fighter. As they level up, they get more attacks per turn.
0: And I think that might be specific to Eldritch Blast, where, like, you know how, um, like, when you're looking at a cantrip, it'll say towards the bottom, like, when your character reaches level 5, instead of 1d4, it's 2d4. The way that Eldritch Blast works is instead of one blast, you do two blasts. So I think Eldritch Blast works uniquely in the fact that Instead of just having the spell itself do extra damage, it lets you sort of roll for multiple attacks. So you could, in theory, hit multiple targets if you wanted to, as opposed to uh, the cleric being able to use um, Sacred Flame Mm -hmm. and the damage just going up. It can still only hit one creature. Eldritch Blast lets you hit multiple targets. So it's super unique and it's only the Warlock, unless you do a weird feat or something or multi-class, only the Warlock can learn Eldritch Blast and it is such a powerful cantrip.
1: It is. It is very, very powerful, especially with all the extra kickers that you can do with it. You can do all kind of wacky stuff. It's just, it's so versatile and you know, again, yeah. it and- also leads to awesome RP, man. It's a, it's a great class for RP. It really
0: is. And speaking of um, kickers, speaking of being good at everything, <laughs> and just my all-around favorite class of all time, let's talk about the bard. <laughs> let's talk about the. Bard. I flippin' love bards. I've played one in a campaign that lasted a couple months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh and I loved every second of it. I sang songs. I was I was freaking Al Yankovich over here.
1: Yeah, it, um, it was it, it was <laughs> delightful.
0: Um, I had so much fun. Send us an email at so you want to be a DM at gmail.com if you want me yeah. to sing a song.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, don't worry. I'll make him do it anyway. Um, but the bard <laughs> is like the rock star. They're the, yeah. they basically use music or speech it's some kind of performance that Mm -hmm. inspires their teammates in the form of an actual die that you are able to roll so like as a bonus action for a bard you can say okay well i want to give x person uh inspiration that person then over for the course of the next 10 in-game minutes has the opportunity to use that whatever die it scales as you level up, starts at a D6, and it goes up from there. They can roll that on an ability check or a saving throw. Um, if you or an choose... attack roll. Well, it depends on the subclass for the attack roll, I thought. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm.
0: No, no it's the it you can not use it. Roll, there damage. is one
1: that, yes, it's damage that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so... Yeah, basically, their next D20 roll, they can add whatever die you just gave them, which is one of their Huge. big things. But then they also get access to most of the spell tables, or at least a little yeah. bit
0: of everything. You get a taste of any spell table, yeah. So, like, Bards have a really unique spell list. Has a lot of fun things in there. There's a lot of out-of-combat stuff. There's a couple in-combat oh, yeah. stuff. There's a there's a little bit of good damage spells. Um. But most of your stuff is going to be like crowd control and buffs and debuffs, which is you mm-hmm. know making things, making people better at some things and making other people worse at some things. Um, like you know, like the slow spell or like haste. Haste. Um, I love haste. But then you get this incredible, and this is kind of, um, this is such a wild ability, and it and it puts a lot of pressure on you as a player. At least it did for me. You get something. Um, I want to say that it's called magical secrets. But pretty much you get to choose a couple spells from any class. You want to pick a ranger spell? Go for it. Cleric, paladin, wizard, sorcerer, warlock. You want eldritch blast? Snag it. You yeah. have that opportunity to pick a spell from any list. And it, it is magical can secrets. change the world. <laughs> it is so wild. Um, That's and then only one specific I personally... subclass
1: of bard that can do that though, I think.
0: Well, the way that it works is if you pick the College of Lore, mm-hmm. you get Magical Secrets twice. Every oh, bard gets it
1: once. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. So College of Lore gets the advantage of cutting words, which is using your bardic inspiration to make the attack rolls of other creatures worse. And then you also get another use of Magical Secrets, which is bananas.
1: We also talk about how, of course, it's the bards go to college like oh yeah it's just like you're just it's like a party. yeah <laughs> yeah you're just you're a party animal you, that's that is the bard in a nutshell
0: 100 um, percent.
1: did we already say i don't think it. Go- i think it goes without saying that you know charisma is the main main yeah. stat for bard like you're gonna be the face you're gonna be the person talking to stuff um because all I'm of really your at all of your points are going to be in charisma because your spell saves are going to be f- taken from that um and also like your uh damage that you do and your ability to hit with spells is going to come from charisma
0: 100 percent, and like not to mention bards and then rogues also get this we didn't mention it explicitly but oh yeah bards and rogues get something called expertise Which means that you can double your proficiency for specific skills. So, like, the bard isn't just proficient in deception or persuasion or performance or whatever it is you choose. They're experts in it. Right. So, at a lower level where other people are adding, like, I don't know, a plus 7 to their best stat, you're adding, like, a plus 12. Yeah. So, like, you're just insanely good at the things
1: you're good at. Right. You're not just good at it. You're amazing at it.
0: 100%. And then you have jack of all trades which lets you add half of your proficiency to every skill that you're not proficient in. So you're decent at everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're an expert in some things. And you also get like a weird amount of skills. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. I remember like constantly when I was playing that character, I was I had plus 9 on most of my things and then a plus 13 on some. Yeah, parts and that was like you we were what? Dude. Like level 6? Yeah. Yeah, I added like a plus 12 or 13 to my best stats. I was like, this is a joke. That's
1: wild. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's nuts how good bards can be at skills, which are mainly going to be out of combat things. Um, There's some skills that come up in combat, but most of them are out of combat. Um, And then rogues also get, I should just, I'm just mentioning, Mm -hmm. rogues also get expertise, which is why, like, if you want to double down in stealth and be like the stealthiest ever, you can do that.
1: Yeah, you can do that. If you want to sure. be
0: really good at lock picking, so that you never miss,
1: you could do that too. Um, and is it bards or rogues? It might be both. That like eventually, they'll just they they'll roll. But if they roll below a ten, it's just automatically a ten. Mm, yeah, and then, I know that. And then they that. still get to add their plus fourteen to it. So then it's automatically starts at a twenty four it goes up from there
0: right yeah i think that um they might both get something like that or something similar at least reliable talent is for rogues at level 11 uh whenever you make an ability check that lets you add your proficiency bonus you can treat a d20 roll of nine or lower as a 10 Mm -hmm. so as long as you're proficient in it no more nat ones
1: yep it just is automatically (laughs) a 10 um
0: absolutely crazy
1: Do we want to go over um, actually picking the spells and how all that stuff works, or do we want to save that for another episode?
0: I think we should save that. And then I think maybe the next episode we'll go over uh, different races or species and backgrounds and the rest of what it takes to make
1: a character. Yeah. Yeah, because this took um, quite a bit longer than we expected. Um, there's a lot to cover. There's always a lot to cover. There is. There's so
0: much to cover. D and D is an ever-changing, growing game that knows no depths.
1: Yeah. But that's uh, that's all we can get into this time. Uh, you can find us on TikTok at So You Want to Be a DM, or you can send us a question in at So You Want to Be a DM at Gmail.com. Um, join us next time for Dungeon Master tips and tricks. Bye. Bye.